0: step five start to pray praying is simply speaking to god like you would speak with your best friend you can let him know all about your hopes and dreams fears and failures, or anything on your heart prayer is not a religious obligation that we perform if you want to get to know somebody you have to take time and communicate with them right don't you want to get to know your new savior? don't you want to know god then talk to him When you talk to God, you don't have to sound like anybody else you've ever heard pray. Maybe you've heard a preacher or a grandmother pray, and you felt as though they were able to reach right into the throne room of God. Maybe you thought to yourself, I can never pray like that. The good news is you don't have to. God is not wanting for you to come to him like someone else would. He wants you to come to him like you would. How would you tell God hello? How would you tell God how your day is going? How would you ask God to help with your spouse or your family? How would you try to find out from him what you need to be doing with your life? Pray. Talk to God. He loves you and is waiting to hear from you. One of the most beautiful prayers ever recorded happened because Jesus' followers asked him to teach them to pray. Jesus said, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verses 7-13 New King James Version. Step six, find freedom. If you brought baggage into your relationship with God, you are not alone. As a matter of fact, even though you have given your life to God, you are probably still struggling with things in your life that you are not proud of. Things that you want to get rid of, don't worry. God does not expect you to clean yourself up in order to come to him. He wants you to come to him So that he can clean you up. Jesus said in Mark chapter 2 verse 17. It's not only the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. That means that you and I as full blown sinners. No matter what we may have done. Can come to Jesus. Ask for forgiveness. Be born again and discover what it means to find freedom. From our past lives. This freedom comes as Jesus cleans us up, not as we try to clean ourselves up. You may have tried for years to free yourself of an addiction of some sort. You may have thought that if only you could stop being so bad that maybe God would accept you. You need to know that God already accepted you even though you were acting so bad. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. Freedom is not being able to make yourself good enough to be presentable to God. Freedom is knowing God and trusting in Jesus. To set you free. I believe that before you can find freedom, you have to define what freedom is. I also believe that in order to know what freedom is, you need to understand what freedom is not. Freedom is not having the liberty to simply do whatever it is that you want to do. Let me explain this last statement. Probably just before you asked God to come into your life by inviting Jesus into your heart, you made life decisions based upon what you wanted at the time. What do I want to eat? Where do I want to work? Where do I want to be a part of my life, etc. Life decisions will accumulate, and you will find yourself in a life that is the product of your own decisions. Decisions based on what you wanted at the time. Likely, as you took a look at your life, you didn't like all of what you saw. You knew you had to make a change in your life, so you decided to ask God to come and live in you. Here's the trouble: people do not want to give up what they like, so what they like actually becomes a prison cell, and Individuals find themselves captive and prison of their own making, believing themselves to the masters of their own fate by doing what they want. they become ensnared in a vice of their own desires. People think that they are free when they can do whatever they want, never realizing that what they want ends up being the very thing that makes their lives miserable. Please pay close attention to the next thing that I am about to tell you. It is very important. If this is your situation, please do not think that you can simply add God to your life choices in order to make all of your misery go away. If you want to truly find freedom, that means that you will want to live your life God's way. Let me say it this way. You can't just add God to your current lifestyle. You need to replace your current lifestyle with God. He must be first in your life, not in addition. Freedom is not the removal of storms in your life. Freedom is not the absence of hardships and turmoil. Your freedom is based on what God can do in your life as you surrender it to Him, not what you can do in order to make your life easier. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. In the NIV, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who, with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What does this passage of Scripture mean for you? When when you ask God to forgive you of your sins, and come into your life. He placed His Spirit in you. The Spirit of the Lord resides in you. And what the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. This passage also means that there is a continual transformation going on inside of you. So that there is a likeness of Him in you that is ever increasing. What is freedom? True freedom. Freedom is you being transformed into His likeness with ever increasing glory. If you keep living for Him, if you choose to allow god to replace your lifestyle if you give up your determination to live your life the way you think that you want to then you will truly find freedom step seven live in freedom bondage incarceration oppression confinement captivity These are words that would have described your life to this point. They need not define your life from this point on. Question. Do you want to live with peace in your home? Do you want to know what it is to have true joy in your life? Do you want to know what true love is? Live for God and serving Him is not about committing to a list of do's and don'ts. And hoping that you do more do's than don'ts in your lifetime. Expecting God to strike you with lightning bolts every time you mess up. Before I go on with step seven, I want to share a little story with you. I call it the Tree of Life Parable. Now, in the Bible, Jesus talked about the vine parable and the fig tree parable, and the well of living water parable. This parable, I call the tree of life parable. One, the tree of life was planted in the center of the Garden of Eden. And we are the branches that bears the fruits of the tree of life. But Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit are the bark and the roots of that tree of life. As long as we abide in him and he abides in us, then we produce the wonderful tree, the wonderful fruit of the tree of life. the tree of life i always say represents god jesus and the holy spirit why do i say that well just like the tree of life was in the center of the garden of eden in the, center of garden, in the center of garden in the center of garden the garden of eden god jesus and the holy spirit had to be the center of our lives they have to be our top priority list they can't be the last they have to be first. Now you guys might not. Devote your. Be committed to. For. Quiet times with. God. Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But I tell you one thing. It is more joyful when you spend time with praise and worship songs playing in the background and reading God's word during your quiet time. It takes you away from technology. Takes your mind off what's being said on Facebook. What's being said on the news. Takes your mind off. Off of a lot of things. Let me tell you a story. The year was 1985. It was on a Monday night, December 2nd. And the Chicago Bears were in Miami to face the Dolphins on their home field. This particular football game was hyped up by the TV and sports commentators because Chicago came into the night undefeated. They were 12 to 0. As a matter of fact, the Chicago Bears came into this Monday night game in Miami having defeated its prior three opponents with a combined score of 104 to 3. And Pastor Walter doesn't know this, but the Chicago Bears were my hometown team in football because I am from Chicago, Illinois. But now he does because he listens to my podcast. So there is that. You may remember the names of Coach Mike Ditka, Quarterback Jim McMahon, Running Back Walter Payton. And the refrigerator, William Perry. You may even remember the song that became the Bears' anthem that year, the Super Bowl Shuffle. There was even a music video that was made for that song. The Miami Dolphins came into the night with a modest record of 8-4. to four, 8 wins and 4 losses the engine that powered all of the hype of that of the TV commentators that night was the fact that the dolphins were the only team in NFL history to have a perfect season in 1972. The dolphins had a 17-0 record, capped off with a 14-7 victory over the Washington Redskins in Super Bowl 7. For 3 seasons in a row, actually Why say Super Bowl 6. I get confused with the Roman numbers. Don't ask me. Ask Professor Walter what it means. Okay. So for three seasons in a row, 1971 through 1974, the Miami Dolphins advanced in the playoffs and won the Super Bowl, twice bringing home the trophies of Super Bowls 6 and 7. The 1985 Dolphins had a legacy to protect. The Bears were favored to win that night. You may even say that they were expected to win, but the Dolphins had something that night that the Bears did not have. The 1972 Dolphins were there on the sidelines, watching to see if the current Dolphins would defend their legacy. The 1985 Bears steamrolled into the Super Bowl Okay, um, y'all have to get to Pastor Walter with the two X's, Spain, because, again, I don't do well with Roman numerals. There's a reason. And came away with the win, but Chicago lost one game that season to Miami. There they were, members of the 1972 Miami Dolphins, in and among the current team on, on the sidelines, cheering them on. The 72 guys were challenging the current team to dig in and do whatever it took to win. Their very presence was incentive enough and motivation enough for Miami to pull off a great victory, defeating the Chicago Bears 38-24. Hebrews 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and a sin that so easily entangles, unless run with persever- perseverance. The race marked out for us, just like the seventy-two dolphins, were a great cloud of witnesses on the sidelines of the eighty-five dolphins. You have surrounding you those who would cheer you on and challenge you to dig in and do whatever it takes to win. To run the race with perseverance, there are those who have gone before you and fought the good fight, not only for you to find freedom, but for you to live in freedom. In the previous section, Find Freedom, I told you that freedom was not the absence of hardships and turmoil. This is very true. Let me now tell you what freedom is. Freedom is growing through your hardships and turmoil. The 72 Dolphins had to work hard to earn their place in history with the perfect NFL season eighty five Dolphins had to fight in order to defend the organization's legacy that stands still today. You can throw off everything that <sighs> hires you from overcoming hardships and turmoil in your own life. Through Christ, you can walk in victory over the enemy, the devil, and learn to live in freedom. If you will apply the principles of God's word in your life, you will discover real peace and joy and love. You will discover that God's way of life is a far better way to live than your old way of living. Yes, you will still want to do the things that appeal to you, things that you used to enjoy. But you will also discover that if you continue to do the things that are against God's word, then you are the one guilty of bringing upon yourself misery and grief, undue hardship and turmoil. God's word tells us in Galatians Chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. The acts of this simple nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. The things listed in this passage of Scripture may have been a part of your life at one time, and part of you will still want to go back to these things. May I ask you what have these things ever brought you that were of any value? Yes, these things can be very appealing, they can attempt, they can tempt you because they appeal to your flesh. The trouble is, when people live this way, we end up in a world like the one we have right now. Murder, divorce, crime, theft, rape, suicide, depression, disease, the list goes on and on. You need not consider the Word of God as a list of rules designed to squelch your human pleasure, but rather as a guide to a means of living in freedom. I know it seems backwards, but when you choose to deny sinful desires, live by the Word of God, and turn away from the things that used to make you temporarily feel good or happy, then you will truly know peace and joy and love. Then you will truly live in freedom. Step eight, discover purpose. Your purpose is not to get baptized, attend church, read your Bible, and pray. Your purpose is defined by the one who created you. God created you on purpose, for a purpose. At this point, I want to make something abundantly clear to you. You are not a mistake. You are not worthless. You are not stupid. You may have had someone in your life speak nothing but curses and unfilled over you. You may have had someone in your life tell you you're just like your no-good father or you're just like your worthless mother. You may have had someone in your life demand what's wrong with you. Why can't you be like so-and-so? But I'm speaking to you on the authority of God's word. You are a child of God. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. You are an overcomer. You are a fellow here with Christ Jesus. You are a friend of God. You are the apple of his eye. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are not under condemnation. You are a man or woman of purpose. You are a prince or princess. Only you and God know what has brought you to this point in your life. Only you and God know those who spoke good or evil over you. You and God alone know what prompted you to surrender your life to him. But there is something that you need to know. God can take everything you've been through and guide you to his purpose for your life. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that all things work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are the called According to his purpose, you need to know that at the moment of your conception, God knew you and had a purpose for you. God has worked into your very being, into the strands of your DNA, a purpose that exceeds your own understanding. On the day of your birth, God didn't look down and say, oops, I didn't see this one coming. This must have been some kind of mistake. What in the world am I going to do with this one? Before I formed you, in the womb I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you, a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah 1, chapter 1, verse 5, New King James Version. That scripture right there I just read is actually what the Lord says of you. Psalm 139, 1-2, New King James Version. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down, my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 15. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. You need to know that God's purpose for you is wrapped up in his design of you. God's purpose for you is not to follow a religion and not to be bound by a system of roles. God designed you to fulfill a role in his kingdom. For every child of God, that role will be different. Just like there are many parts to your body, each part fulfills a different purpose so that the whole body can function. You must embark on a journey, if you do not know already, to find out what your purpose in God's kingdom is. Without that purpose, you will simply be another church attender, and you will find yourself listless. You will be a child of God who is full of promise and possibilities and yet completely unfulfilled. Want to talk about misery? Then let's talk about a Christian who either cannot or will not discover his or her God-given purpose in life. Step 9. Pursue purpose. If you are not familiar with the poem entitled Footprints in the Sun, attributed to Mary Stevenson, you will want to look it up. And actually, I have that up on my wall. Let's read the Footprints in the Send little poem here. One night, a man had a dream. He dreamed he was walking along the beach with the Lord. Across the sky flashed scenes from his life. For each scene, he noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonged to him and the other to the Lord. When the last scene of his life flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints in the sand. He noticed that many times along the path of his life, there was only one set of footprints. He also noticed that it happened at the very lowest and saddest times in his life. This really bothered him, and he questioned the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I have noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there's only one set of footprints. I don't understand why. When I needed you most, you would leave me, the Lord replied, My precious, precious child. I love you, and I would never leave you. During your times of trial and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. So the Lord never really leaves us, nor does he forsake us. He simply carries us. It's a powerful poem. Well, there is a lesser known poem that plays off of footprints on the sand by an author who remains anonymous.